Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Today is Wednesday, June 16th, and you are listening to Rocket City Lit. Hello all, welcome back to Rocket City Lift. I'm Brett Goodman. And I'm Tara Bulger. We come to you three times a week and bring a bit of a spiritual lift to your day. Today we are talking about a passage in 1 Corinthians. But before we get to that, let us begin with a prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your word that has come to your people through all time and circumstance. And we pray for your word to come to us again. May we hear you as you speak, and may we be transformed in the hearing of your word and in our ability to love others. We ask this all in the name of the one who has shown us this way, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Hear the scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but to proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and to the foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Brett, this passage seems to set up a juxtaposition between the foolish and the wise, and maybe even more than that, with God's wisdom and the wisdom of the world, what God believes is truly foolishness and what the world does. Who are the wise? What are we supposed to get out of this dichotomy? Yeah, I think that what this scripture is talking about is kind of how the person of Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ has done for us and done for the world, has flipped the world upside down, has flipped what we thought power to be is not power. What we thought wisdom to be is not wisdom. Uh, I mean, it's absurd to think that the person that Paul is saying, you know, the person you should worship is the person who was crucified. You know who is the greatest leader is the one who died at the hands of the empire you were hoping to overthrow. Yeah, Jesus's ministry, if you were to just look at it from Golgotha, is a complete failure, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's short. I mean, he's, he's, his ministry does not last long. Uh, everything that the world then, and honestly, I think the world now, thinks of as... Uh, power and thinks of as ascension uh, and you need to be shrewd and wise to ascend to these positions 
Jesus doesn't do any of that. Um, by being this pretty meek and humble person in his context uh, and for choosing to forego earthly power. It's not that we don't believe Jesus had the ability to attain worldly power, but the fact that Jesus forgoes that. Yes. And that turns what's wisdom and honestly still seems a bit foolish to me. I would, <laughs> I would way but rather we ascend. see that from the very beginning, right? When mm-hmm. Satan takes Jesus into the desert and yes. offers him all the things that should be of value in this world. Mm-hmm. And over and over again, Jesus refuses. What's interesting to me, too, is that we acknowledge as Christians that true value is always found in selflessness and in service, or at least those are the words we say. But I don't hear us as Christians sitting around talking about, you know, I have no power in the world, but I'm a really good lover of people. What a success. You know, I don't know. It just, I feel like we do this thing where on the one hand, we acknowledge that the humbleness of Jesus's life is a true success. But on the other hand, we really don't want that for ourselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and so and even what this passage is doing is it's redefining terms that we use all the time. And so mm-hmm. as you and I are even talking now when we say like, we don't want power, but it's like, but we do want power, but a different power than what we think of when we think of power. Yes. And so it can get, uh, I think, a bit confusing. And I think Paul doesn't shy away from that. Yeah, it is confusing because it's completely different to how we're taught to think. Yes. And while we are trying to learn the way of Christ, we're also swimming in a culture that constantly gives us counter messages. I love this passage. And one of the things it always reminds me of is when I officiate a funeral. Mm -hmm. So for instance, we've got a funeral coming up of one of our church members, dearly beloved. And whenever this happens, I usually never talk about their career I don't talk about how much money they made or any of that stuff because it just doesn't matter. But what I get to do is tell the story of all the people's lives they made a difference in. It's really very true at the end of your life that that's what you'll be remembered for and that's what will be celebrated. And um, I think that's just really beautiful. And and, And we've talked about this. One of the lines that caught me that I had forgotten was in here is it says, God decided through the foolishness of yes. our proclamation to save those who believe. Amen. So there's two huge parts of that. Of that one, uh, our job is just to proclaim. Uh, and that can seem foolish. Uh, and that we don't celebrate some of the things that maybe the obituary celebrates. Right. Um, but in the end, it's just our job to proclaim that. And it's God who saves those people it's 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 not uh it's not our proclamation it's god through our proclamation i think that's a super important point and again points turns the head on this foolishness and wisdom we've talked about it before i preached you know a month ago what i was sure was the worst sermon i've ever preached yeah no and people came up and said that was I listened to it. It was really good. <laughs> people and people said how much it moved him and enjoyed him. And then next week, I pro- preached what I believe to be my best sermon I've ever written, and got nothing. <laughs> and people were like, "Have <laughs> a good week." Have Brad. a good week. That was nice. Uh, but that, it's that idea. 
that it's God working through our words, not just preachers, but congregants and all beloved children. Yeah, I, um, I have started when I preach imagining that the only person I'm speaking this to and the only person I care about is Jesus, hmm. um, that I want my words to please Christ. And if people get it, great. I would like to stay employed. If they don't, <laughs> I can work at Target. But, um, but yeah, there is something about that. And also, I mean, I think the whole of God's project of putting the world in the hands of humanity is pretty foolish. And yet here we are, and there is light in the darkness, and there is love even in the sinful. Hmm. So it seems to be working. (laughs) And with that, because I have nothing to add to it, (laughs) let us end with a quote from Madeline LaIngle. She says, In a very real sense, not one of us is qualified. But it seems that God continually chooses the most unqualified to do his work, to bear his glory. If we are qualified, we tend to think that we have done the job ourselves. If we are forced to accept our evident lack of qualification, then there's no danger that we will confuse God's work with our own or God's glory with our own. I hate it when you pick perfect quotes because then I'm like, why did we just discuss this? We could have just read that. And I want to add one to it, which is C.S. Lewis. One of my favorite quotes of his is, we contribute nothing to our salvation except the sin that makes it necessary. (laughs) (laughs) Friends, we hope that you have a great rest of the week. Now may each of you go out to love and to serve, to be well, to care for yourselves and others, knowing that the grace and love of God is upon you. Amen. Amen.